So what's everybody doing for the holiday weekend? I have no idea. I haven't even thought about it. I forget about Labor Day. It's a big holiday. (laughs) I I was like, why is no one willing to schedule a meeting with me on Friday? And people keep reaching out like, hey, can I have 15 minutes, 30 minutes? I'm like, sure. This Friday is open. You're like, yeah, how about Mm -hmm. the following week? (laughs) I did. It must not be important. I don't know. Well, Mm -hmm. I am super excited because it is the start of college football. And That's Old right. Dominion Monarchs are hosting Virginia Tech Hokies. Wow. That'll be a big game. The That's last a big game time, okay, the last time the Hokies came down here, we beat them. And it was like the big upset of, you know, college yeah. football that we actually beat them. They're like twice as big as our players. And so now they're coming back. Games tomorrow night. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I uh, I went to Florida State, so FSU's playing LSU, so that'd be interesting. We played some fake school last last week. I signed up for YouTube TV because we had family over, and I usually don't watch much sports at all. Like I just I get nothing from it. Like I'm like, oh, that's cool. Even though I went there, like going to the game Andrew. is fun. Andrew. I just there's nothing. I get no emo. There's no dopamine or whatever chemical in my brain <laughs> watching it. Like zero. Like I'm mm, neat. Man, I, I, no watched, I watched uh, Serena on the U.S. Open last night. Do you guys follow U.S. Open? Well, I know, Andrew, you're going to say no. But it, like hearing not. about her, like, that's exciting. <laughs> she's like the tennis, like, well, yeah, she's she's got, you've got two, like, two male co-hosts here who, who are low you know, indexed on the sport. Like, I, I pay attention. I feel like I pay attention to sports, I, certainly college football. But I also am not one of those people male or female who will watch ESPN religiously every day to like yeah. hear the latest, you know, Me neither. Now, going to the game is fun. Yeah. But like, Serena is a big like, deal. I, I, yeah. Serena, so, yeah. She's retiring this year. It's a big deal. And she was playing the number two seed last night, number two in the, in the country, in the world last night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was not expected to win. And I mean, she dominated and it was like, you could see a switch, like mm. a flip of the switch. And she just like crushed it because she was down and then she came back and um, I was like, yes. And yeah. amazing. It's the, like, imagine like if they were to do like a blood draw, like at that moment, like what is released for her to the focus to go from a hundred to a thousand, whatever it is. Yeah. Cause you know, something yeah. physically happens. Well, it's like, the, I have no idea. Can we just, if, can if, I buy that drug? if you were a street basketball or, or even let's just say you're a professional NBA athlete, do you still if something truly was on the line, would you want to take on Michael Jordan? You know, like Serena Williams right. obviously is retiring because she either doesn't want to, or doesn't feel like she can maintain peak performance at the same level on a consistent basis as she did during the rest of her career. But that doesn't mean that she doesn't get the eye of the tiger when she's down. Oh, yeah. bro. And she was like, she was the, the interviewer was like, you know, um, how did you do this? Like, how did you, you know, she's only played a couple of matches. It's not like she's been playing and playing and playing. And she goes, well, I am Serena. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, I, she goes, I don't have anything to prove. I've, right. I've won 42 yeah. times yeah, on this court. Loose. I don't. And she goes, and this is just fun. Yeah. And I was like, it makes you realize we're not all the same person right? i am serena like, we're just well, doing like, sound checks equal. right now like, but i feel like I you know. just created a blog post for yourself or <laughs> where we caught the show title because we I need more Jen. serenas oh man in don't, our industry yes 
is have that response to adversity. Absolutely. Yeah. I am Serena. I don't have anything to prove. Let's have some fun. And she's been playing for 20 years professionally. Since she was 14. And she's she's 40. She's 40. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long time. So, I mean, yeah. Okay. Last question I have then. And then we'll get started. Andrew, you don't know what you're doing this weekend, but I know that you know what you're watching this weekend. What are you, what are you watching? What, what thing are you binging or catching up on? We're watching, um, this is embarrassing, Travels with My Father on Netflix. (laughs) Oh, that sounds... Jack Whitehall. It's hilarious. Um, But there's like the new Lord of the Rings series comes out tonight. Sam on our team was telling me about that. I like Lord of the Rings. I like, if I'm going sci-fi-ish i like or something like that like that territory is versus say ozarks versus stranger things stranger things all day long versus really mm-hmm. really because those are like, oh, like this is boring what about have you have you guys watched uh house of dragon the the game of thrones no so i always wait until at least two seasons are done of anything before i watch it <laughs> and you just go binge watch it. yeah that is kevin yeah <laughs> which kevin has not watched stranger things yet Nope. I think you're missing out. You need to. You know, to. I watched the first two seasons, Andrew, oh, mm-hmm. and I thought it was like I was into it. And then I don't know. It just got, I, I couldn't get back Maybe I into think I'm it. still a child and like I can, like, oh, I'm the little, the little fluffy dude. That's me. Well, this is fat. We should just do a whole episode where we don't talk about home building for yeah, we have people call in episode. Netflix and um, all that. But, I, f- I would, ha- I would sense that it's nostalgia, heavy nostalgia. So like I watched the first episode of stranger things and it definitely, you know, you've got Goonies and ET yeah. vibes and uh, mm-hmm. just the other day, my, my seven year old Mason, uh, who just turned eight, sorry, Mason. Um, he's now eight proud, proud to be eight. He, he's an old he, man. he said something about whatchamacallit candy bars. And he's like, do you know why they call them whatchamacallits? And I go, buddy, time out. Um, whatchamacallits <laughs> were invented in the eighties during my prime cartoon watching period. And so I said, let me show you this commercial that I saw 10,000 times. Uh, And you might even be hearing it in your head, Jen, like the whatchamacallit and and they all, it's just crazy, like pop culture, pop art uh, imagery. So the, like the nostalgia part I get, but, but Andrew, you love it. And you were born when? 89. Okay. (laughs) So that's before I'm like on the, Cusp. Like that's like younger, right. but I but grew, you, up, you, you grew up in the nineties. Like, Let's just I was a you have a Fisher Price tape player that was solid brown with a little with the white giant buttons on top. I think I think so. I I can't remember. Well, that then you're in back. the club. Okay, I'm in Good. the club. There we go. I was <laughs> Super Nintendo, Nintendo sixty four. Oh no, I'm challenging VHS, it. VHS. I had to rewind it. I'm challenging it. Okay, there you go. So I'm yeah, I'm an older millennial. I don't know what the heck I am. Who knows. <laughs> Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 236. I'm Kevin Oakland. With me today is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak, and the one and only Jen Barkin. Woohoo! I'm excited. 236, it, waking up there. It's Man. been a minute since I have been yeah. with you guys on here. No. I am excited. I had to make sure that you that you showed up and gave us some time today. So last time Jesse was on, I think we mm-hmm. threw some shade 
just to make sure that you didn't Ooh. forget about us. That's right. Oh, yeah, what it was, but nice. <laughs> like, where's Jen? Jen, you know what Jen's been doing? Jen has been training and coaching <laughs> online been, sales. You've been at it. You've been working. Yeah. Jen has been really working. Work. Yeah, Jen I just, I was just telling the marketing team. I said, everyone, content is a nice to have for you. But we have someone calling us every four hours asking if they can work with Do You Convert. We don't need <laughs> content for that purpose no at all. No right? So yeah, you've been in the trenches getting yes. it done. Yes. And on the road some, which is awesome. Yeah. Getting, getting out, out there, there. meeting getting with builders. Yep. It's yep. been awesome. Okay. Nice. Well, let's... Um, th- we might have a sound effect hiatus here because of some technical issues on my end. But let's go ahead and jump into story time. We'll start with you, Jen. So since I have been on with you, lovely gentlemen, I am officially an empty nester. Ooh, both this is kids, where we have a woo celebration. Yes. <laughs> both kids, you know, and I was, I was stressed about this, right? I was like, well, how am I going to feel about this? Right. My daughter's obviously been gone. She's starting her junior year, Man. but my son is now it's starting crazy. his freshman year of college. And so they are both gone. And I am, I'm here to tell you my stress of what am I going to do with my life? Hey, my life has gotten easier (laughs) in some regards. (laughs) You know, when we pulled into the driveway, my husband and I looked at each other and we're like, uh, okay, this is weird. We're here by ourselves. But after a couple days, I was like, man, this is, I'm hitting the easy button. This is easy. I don't have somebody asking me for food every 30 you know, minutes. I'm sure Sam could eat. Complain- like, yeah, complaining about group. Yeah, Sam eats like you know, ten times a day. You know, there's never enough food. You know, cups, laundry, all that stuff laying around. The house is so much neater and straight, and you know, and even cooking and going to the grocery store. I'm like, man, I'm only I'm only preparing meals for two people, and this has been great. Sounds good. That it's been awesome. So then I get I get the call yesterday that says from both of them, Hey, mom and dad, we're going to come home for the weekend. Oh boy. And you know, yeah, we're going to come home and you know, we're going to go to the the ODU tech game with you guys. And my son said, Sam said, Oh, and I can't wait for some home cooked meals. I, you know, the food here is terrible. I can't wait for you. So immediately I go, yay. But then I go, Great. What's that? What's your favorite meal? That's what I'm cooking. Just one. (laughs) Now that means, now that means, oh, okay. Now, now I got to shift and my, I got to get back into the kitchen, like thinking about what I'm going to cook and doing all this stuff. And, you know, I'm like, great. So my analogy, Kevin, see, we'll get your analogy on this. Oh, I'm excited now. Well, it's kind of like online sales (laughs) right now. And that, you know, we have been on somewhat of a, I don't want to say easy street, but our, our world coming out of the pandemic was, was we kind of had this thing where we were just, it was leads were coming in. We knew what to do. We were setting appointments at a, at a rapid pace. And then our world shifted and we now have to do the really hard things that maybe we don't necessarily like to do or want to do. But they are, they are hard things that make a big impact. 
and are kind of thankless in a lot of ways. Like making my children their favorite meals, that's a that's a big impact and a thankless job, right? Spending the weekend in the kitchen. But, you know, thinking about online sales, I'm like, you know, yeah, like picking up the phone and calling 40 people a day where you might get hung up on, you might get, you know, a brush off, you know, you might get, uh, you know, hey, we're not in the market anymore. But that's the hard work that, you know, we've had to kind of shift and do. But it's huge value for our our companies and our sales teams and all those things. So yeah. question on is that. that a good analogy? Yes or no? I think it's beautiful. How do you rate it? I think it's great. I mean, I think a good, it was a good analogy. Because <laughs> you're on like easy street right now. A great analogy. Gone. And I know, I know, yeah. again, not everyone's a fan of my analogies. I think all my analogies are great. So obviously <laughs> I'm a completely biased judge here. <laughs> the succinctness of the explanation kind of determines how good um, the analogy is. Yeah. Usually yours are like, like two sentences. Which is why, like which is why my analogies get rated terribly by Jen. She's like... <laughs> I lost you, buddy, back, <laughs> back wherever you started. So did I explain that? Did yeah. I explain that well? Yes, like, you, you know, you know, we we've been on not saying that that everybody hasn't worked really hard because everybody has, but it's just been different work. It's been yes. it's, it's been different type of work. Now you're still a parent. You're now a different exactly, kind of parent. different kind of parent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. My yeah, this is a tactical question because that's my my brain is like the tactic. What is the attitude of of or the mindset if you're having to do that long term follow up? Mm-hmm. Like I'm calling forty people today. Yeah, I I might get twenty no answers, mm-hmm. ten voicemails, mm-hmm. ten people actually pick up, five don't want to hear from me. I make three appointments or two appointments, mm-hmm. and then three other people curse me out. Whatever it may be. So that sounds depressing to me. That's why I'm not in online sales. But for those that do that every day. Like, what is mm-hmm. their mindset and attitude to be able to like grind through that? Are they like, cool, I, I just made two appointments. Here's my dollars. I'm happy. This is just what it takes. And they just, they do it and then they're done with it. There's no yeah. leftover stress or mm. fatigue. Does that make sense? Like, how do they do it? No, I, I think it would be wrong for me to say it's not tiring or there's not some fatigue that, you know, that's realistic. Like it's hard work. Like it's a grind. Yeah, sounds hard. But it's like if the phone, if you have the time, the phone is not ringing inbound. You got to make it ring outbound. Like, yeah, what are Mike we said doing? It works both with, ways. Yeah. Like, what are we? What are we doing? Are we just sitting there waiting for something to happen? No. Like we got to make it happen. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember last year at the summit about this time, standing up in front of online sales and saying, "Okay." It's time to get back into the chase. And here's what chase stands for. You got to be curious. You got to hustle. You got to have ambition. You got to be, you know, tenacious. Like I'm going to get in there and make something happen in this database. You got to have a a servant's heart where you're focusing on customer experience and you got to execute. That's what the chase is. And so that's the mentality and the drive that's needed right now in this market. And I think it's the, this is the most exciting time to be in online sales, honestly. And we're seeing a lot of people stepping up. That's for sure. Yeah, As much as you hear stories about people stepping back, there are a lot of people stepping Stepping up like Williams and, and you look at the change month over month after being coached, challenged, whatever. And, Mm -hmm. And some of these, I mean, we just saw, we just got off a call, Jen and I with a builder who their previous best month of the entire year, I think was in the eighties. 
and they just blew the cover off of a hundred sales and online sales participation was huge mm-hmm. on that number. Yeah. Like, like, ginormous of that percentage of that number. Yeah. So what I thought of immediately when you asked that question, Andrew, was the commercial, I forget who it's from, which means it's a terrible commercial for that brand, but it's where Scotty Pippen talks about himself being the greatest Chicago bull of all time. Oh, like, like, and the, and the idea is, you know, you have to go into each game with a completely blank slate. Like if you walk in thinking I'm only the second best player, I'm only capable of X. You have to go into that next basketball game thinking I'm Scotty Pippen and I'm the greatest Chicago bull that's ever played basketball. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play at your peak performance, that's got to be, and it's not, it's not all ego driven. That's just the self-talk mm-hmm. that you have to have and the ability to, to have a short-term memory. Yeah. Or, remove that last person who told you that, they're not looking for a home and they right. hate you. And That's right. Because the energy, and I, I referenced this a couple of times uh, when I got to see Jeff Shore talk at, when he and I were both speaking at the same event uh, earlier this year, who's bringing the energy to the conversation? In an online sales world, the energy was all coming from the, from the person saying, please talk to me. Oh, thank goodness you answered. What can I do? Mm-hmm. And so that positivity and energy didn't have to come from the OSC the same, same way. And again, you might be struggling with things in your personal life or had a bad call or a series of calls to your point, Andrew, but that next conversation, you got to bring the energy to it because that's, that's the only place it's going to come from in this market mm-hmm. condition is, is the yeah. OSC. This isn't controversial. I think marketing needs more of that attitude of chase. Ooh. Like I know there's, I will not say the words that are in my brain when I'm trying to do something, they're not appropriate. But I think the people that I know that are really good marketers, they do get aggressive or they get like, I'm going to figure this thing out. Oh yeah. Um, there's no like, oh, I don't know. It's really hard or it's taking too long or mm-hmm. that's a big project. It's like, I'm going to figure out this. Beep, yeah. You beep, have beep. to be, uh, if you watch the Mark Rober YouTube series at all, you have to be fat Gus, which is a squirrel trying to figure out how to break into to Fort Nuts, which is where all the walnuts are, are housed. This is a scam guy. <laughs> Mark Rober is an engineer. And so he creates this elaborate like Ninja Warrior course for squirrels to get through. And <laughs> I know, I didn't know who you were talking about until you said squirrel obstacle course. Yeah, okay. yeah, okay. yeah. He, he, he does a lot of great things. And if no, you have, exactly. That's so hilarious. You, as, if you're going to be a great marketer, you have to, you have to have that perspective 100%, Andrew. Mm-hmm. You have to say... Okay. And, and enjoy that perspective and enjoy that. Like, yeah, um, maybe yeah. at the exact moment, I'm like, this computer is going out the window, but then afterwards you're like, well, I think, I think that's why people don't get there as much as they should is at some point you have to hit the payoff yes. and then it's the rem- remembrance of that payoff of when you figured it out that the next time it comes around, you don't view it with the same, oh my gosh, what's going to happen. This is terrible perspective, but you remember, okay, this other thing seemed really challenging and hard and mm-hmm. It took me a couple of weeks or maybe even a couple of months, but I figured that out. And then it made a difference for my company and my career. I'm going to do that again. I think the, yeah. I think that, yeah, we're just, I'm just going all in on this. I think the challenge, I think for some marketers is there's not an appointment commission at the end of that struggle, or there's not an immediate like, oh, I got this. And here's hmm. the difference. You should be in sales then. I mean, I, you should be in sales. Like, <laughs> there never will be. That, yeah. There never will be. Like, if you're in commission or compensation, go to into right. sales. Mm-hmm. But you know, the, but it's, I could the, see that being like not a barrier, but like I could see the opposite. Marketing could then 
attract people that are not willing to be as aggressive. I love all our marketers. I'm not talking about mm. anyone specifically, but it's because you can just kind of hang out in there and to be that aggressive, like, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna get this, I'm gonna I, get it. I, yeah. It's a little, it can be yeah, challenging because the reward that. is long-term. I can see that in terms of our industry as a whole and the way that marketers historically have been perceived and what marketing's role is, yeah. isn't going to attract and keep that kind of individual. Yeah, a lot of people, like a lot of people approach marketing in our space with a initial like lion like roar, and I'm going to change things, and then they're humbled like a lamb in the course of a year or a year and a half, and they're like, oh, "I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm gonna do something little, else." Little sheep running around, little little goat. Yeah, I can mm. see that for sure. Mar- marketing still isn't really celebrated. Not so. So you're yeah. not talking about just about from a compensation perspective, just, although maybe some well, of that is just, I think it's like flavors of all that. Like if marketer X, Y, Z killed it for their company, they made a huge difference compared to sales agent X, Y, Z once in a C paycheck double the other one. Yeah. Stays silence the same. was kind of the point <laughs> I, of that. I would hope Stays that the same. I would hope Possibly. that most marketers would, I, I think, I think right now more people are struggling with the recognition part of it than compensation. In just when marketing finally figures it out and creates a solution that doesn't exist before, the reaction, generally speaking, from leadership is, oh, well, finally they're doing their job. Like that, that was their job, was to get those leads. <laughs> that was their job, yeah. I didn't mean it. It's not Hopefully like, now this is controversial. I was just like, well, okay, we could go this direction. Well, man, the, the challenge so. is that it's hard to benchmark. <laughs> it you is know, hard you to can, benchmark. You can benchmark sales results pretty easily against other builders. Sell or not sell. Uh, we were having this conversation, Andrew and I, Jen, with a builder that we're starting with, where someone sent an over an email asking about when would you like to talk about what we're doing currently that's really producing great results. Mm, that was this was just from the marketing silo. Mm-hmm. And we're like, well, what you define as great results might not be what your OSCs define as great results or your mm-hmm. sales managers or your owner. So until we all have time to, def- to determine that Great results means what what we think it means. Yeah. We have to approach that slowly and carefully. Okay, here's a question, and I'm coming at this with like you know not being a marketer. Okay, but mm-hmm. wouldn't you say that that marketers look at a win for them when their online sales and on-site sales programs are successful? They better they like isn't I mean, that a win for them? Also, I mean. I, that's why I've talked about all the time. I couldn't mm-hmm. sleep at night when I was at Heartland thinking not, not just about online sales. Cause they were very capable or all mm-hmm. three of our online salespeople were very capable. And Sarah Williams, you know, was leading that team. was extremely capable. I worried less about them because I understood that they had the skill set to do outbound. Mm-hmm. But for sure, if I knew that between online sales and walk-in traffic, Lori Africa only saw two people in the past two weeks and she had a sales goal of two for the month. Right. I was having a hard time falling asleep thinking about this isn't fair to Lori that we aren't Mm -hmm. able to deliver. And of course there's only portions of that until I got more involved in product and pricing that I could, I could speak to, Mm -hmm. but absolutely. If you, if you, and that going back to your initial thought, Andrew, good or bad, I think the best marketers are servant leaders and, Mm-hmm. Or, or singer songwriters, like they, they write the songs that other artists play. Mm-hmm. And so if you, right. if you, we support kind of get off on that part of the thing, then it might not be the best role for you. 
unless you find a company where they say, we want you to, so that goes back to culture and, and, um, fit of the company. Mm-hmm. If I would have stayed at, at Miranda Holmes at the time who told me, we don't really care about your position, Kevin, or marketing. This is back in 2007. No hard feelings. I get it. But if I had stayed there, my career and everything would have been completely different. I had to go find another company that at the time in 2007 valued marketing the way mm-hmm. that I valued marketing. Right. Yeah. And so that's not, you'll find, you can, if you work hard enough, you'll find a company that is a fit for you. Compensation appreciation, recognition, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Just people generally get so risk averse that they're not willing to. So that's a good question Definitely. is like to a marketer, what does success look like yeah. for you? And that, I, I think that's a cue for everyone listening. <laughs> if the marketing, not, not that going backwards, like a minute and a half with what you said, Jen, like if you're not that connected to your online sales team, then that, I think that's a core, that's a core issue. Like you should be like Kevin said, like, up at night. Okay. Well, Jen needs more leads. She's yeah. like her, her paycheck is going to drop in half if I'm not doing my job mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, like maybe mm-hmm. you don't have that much responsibility and burden on yourself, but I think some of that, you should feel that weight of yeah, responsibility. There, for, for every one person who's putting too much responsibility on themselves, Andrew, there's nine people who don't put enough. Well, there and we that's go. Okay. feel the burden. Right. Feel it. And, and of course, selfishly, I'm going to say that the builders we work with, we, we kind of reverse that ratio. That's part of how we help is we, if they didn't already, we make sure they fully understand that and, and keep that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an yeah. ecosystem. Podcast is done. Yeah, it is. back to my biology off. roots. It is ecosystem. It's yeah, an it's, ecosystem. It's, it's the band. Like you're the one, singer-songwriter. If one part of the ecosystem is disrupted, it affects the other parts of the ecosystem. Yeah. It, yeah, we had, we had a, co- a leadership call where we spent pretty much 50 of the 60 minutes <laughs> as the head of marketing talking about their concern about the, yeah. the online sales program. Right. And it was like, <laughs> and, that, and that's a good thing, you know, as long as, as long as everyone understands their part and their role. And that is also why I don't have a way to prove this, but within the first 15 minutes of every online sales and marketing summit we've ever had at Do You Convert, when we split the room up and in, into marketing and, and sales, and I ask the crowd, what is marketing's job? I always start with that somewhere in the first 15 minutes. Cause Jen, when you were saying, what do you ask someone mm-hmm. in the recruitment process? The right answer is I care about getting sales. If they talk about lead volume or being creative or anything else, it's not a, it's not a no, but it's a, I need to help this person understand that your, your role only matters if sales come through the door. Exactly. That's, but I'm not in goal. sales, Kevin, I'm in marketing wrong. You're all in sales. Everybody's you're all in, in revenue yep. creation. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yep. Are we still on Jen? We just wrap up Jen's story time. <laughs> that was, that was Jen's beat mine's, that to mine's super quick. Mine's super quick. <laughs> So I need new clothes for the summit because I don't go anywhere the rest of the year. That's the only time I get out of the house is at the summit. So I need new clothes. I'm trying something different this year. Instead of me driving around all over town, wasting hours and hours of my life, I'm just, I'm going to try order everything online. So I got Ooh. some shoes. I'm starting ground up. So this has a point. We also search for homes online, right? It's all online. It's all online. There's more content, I think, for picking up chinos, slacks, khakis, whatever you want to call them than I think most builders have when comparing floor plans and all these sorts of things. So I'm like, okay, what brand? Bird Dogs, Bonobos, Lulu Lamont, whatever the heck, all these different brands. 
like just more content in general all over, both on the brand site and all that. It made me made me think like, oh man, there's so much opportunity still in the content side to get people excited about buying um, or going to a new home versus existing home or just making a life change. Like, oh, like, yes, interest rates are higher. Yes, price is higher, but maybe it is worth another $500 per month because look, that 2,400 feet versus our 2,400 feet, life would be so much more fun. We could host people. Look, there's a hole. You walk in the house and there's 60 feet of depth or whatever it may be. That house looks huge. The ceilings are 12 foot tall. All these little things that add up to like that, that's worth 500 a month or whatever, if they're having to go up yeah. in price or maybe they're going down, whatever it may be. So I don't, I'm like shopping for pants. Like in my spare time, like this is stupid. Why am I want to just go to the store? But I'm like, oh, it's a fun exercise. Yeah, like just I'm trying sign to up for figure it out. Fix. I tried that. My <laughs> special body doesn't like it. And it's actually kind of expensive for no choice. I'm like, I want to choose a little bit because right. I know like. They just make the choice for you, right? Certain color khaki <laughs> does not work with me. I need this type of tone. Like I pretty much wear blue, black, or khaki if it's pants, whatever it may be. Stitch fix. Like here's some gray ones. I'm like, I don't wear gray. Can get those out of here. <laughs> Send them back. You just gave me a new homework assignment, Andrew. Thanks for you that. You find some new clothes? No, I'm going to, and I'll tell everyone what it is, even though oh, that no. means that about a fourth of people listening will copy it, which is fine. Go at it. One of the first conferences I ever went to is, is called Brandworks. Unfortunately, it's, it no longer is in existence, but it was put on by the, the agency that worked with Kohler at the time. The first thing they started out with was showing the, the presenter was talking about picking up objects at flea markets and then selling it on eBay. And the difference okay. between factually stating what the object was, taking an appropriate number of images and putting it on eBay versus crafting a story. So if there's a piggy bank, one just is, you know, the traditional e-commerce approach to a piggy bank. And the other has the e-commerce plus storytelling content. Like mm -hmm. this piggy bank mm -hmm. was once owned by Sarah, who's the stepdaughter of one of the most wealthy oil tycoons who tragically died on the Titanic and has like artsy kind of blurred background bokeh photographs and that they found that using that process, and I don't remember the exact number, but it was, it was, it was somewhere in the hundreds of percent increase, like 300% more money that they would get for an object when they did that. So that's crazy. I think my homework makes assignment sense. is to go take some home builder. I'll, I'll find a builder here in town. Who has an go. inventory home and already mm -hmm. has all of those images. And then I will go back in and then I'm going to do a double blind survey. So I will run a survey with actual consumers and I will nice. say, how much do you think this home is worth? And then I will use my content and I will ask them how much they think that home is worth. Mm -hmm. Ooh. I like it. So one of these brands, birddogs.com. Have you heard of those, Jen? I feel like I have a pair of their board shorts. Okay. Well, they're or paddle boarding. Their marketing's really interesting. I yes. Think. Yes. I'm not like going to read the stories, but like I, like I just sent marketing. one over in the in the chat, and they name all their pants. Like this one's called Tiger Woods. Yeah. W O U L D S Tiger Woods, and I'm not reading out loud. But it's it's kind of the story format on these pants and why like it's inappropriate. But that's the point. That's the demographic it's appealing to. Probably, I'd say. 20s is the age, but it's, yeah, they do the whole story thing. I there. have so many thoughts on this yep. whole thing. Uh, yeah. The only thing I want to ask about is apparently <laughs> these pants have built in underwear. Who, what is, where, where have I, <laughs> yeah, why that's do we really need interesting. this? The only, my only why thought, do we need built in underwear? Can we, we'll go transparent. My only thought is 
<laughs> if you see, if you <laughs> oh, stop. Cause that you don't see is, like dangerous. boxers on these pants, Built right? Built-in underwear is dangerous. You don't have to wear, you can, look, I could buy yeah, four, four of these pants. I'd wear, what if there's an underwear. accident that occurs? Then your pants and your underwear are messed up. Well, then you should just buy another pair. So that's a, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but, All right. I think, I think your story <laughs> segment is over. Uh, done. Kick them off. <laughs> what, do you, what do you got, Kevin? Oh man. Uh, I got a lot of things floating around in my head. One thing that I, um, I found this chart, which you all can't see, but I'll, I'll tell you the basic idea is it shows how much equity has been made by homeowners. Uh, and, and the headline of the chart says U.S. Wow. homeowner equity has surged to over $27 trillion. Not so much equity across the U.S. people have collectively in their homes, $27 trillion. It, it increased by $27 trillion. So the overall value of the housing market is now 39 trillion and 27 of that uh, has come since the end of the great financial crisis. Wow. And when you look at this chart and just the absolute, one of the things that hit me, and this, this will be controversial because I know there's a segment of our industry who says house prices, no matter what should never go down. Because if we do that, then it's a domino effect and the whole thing is going to, to tank with it. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about this, I think, if not on the podcast, certainly with the calls with our leadership teams, is as soon as one builder in your marketplace does it, or the existing housing market does it, everyone knows. They're not waiting for the signal that Happy Acres Builders uh, adjusted base pricing to call and cancel or complain or do what they're going to do. As soon as they see anyone in the market doing that, it, it, it's out. But I, I just, when I saw this chart, to me, it seems like we can't be so narrative-driven, single-mindedly narrow on this topic as to not say that the guy doing trim work in my house that was doing touch-up, he said, my dad would like to retire. He's also a trim carpenter. But right now he makes $150 an hour and he was making $50 an hour. So he can't retire slash won't retire until yeah, he won't. goes back to not making that huge increase in pay. That, that has to adjust for the housing market or the new construction market to get healthy again. And so I don't understand, and again, there's a difference between logic and emotion, totally understand that. But logically, when you look at this chart and you say, if we adjusted our base prices lower by $10,000, I would argue you should also raise your option prices so that it balances out. But regardless, uh, that, that $10,000 reduction is uh, impacting almost no one's equity. In fact, house prices are still projected to go up by almost everyone in 2023 by one and a half, two percent. And Jen, you, you spent a lot of time in the in in a world that was closely connected to the resale market. I'll say it mm -hmm. that way. And <laughs> traditionally, when you bought a used home, what would your realtor tell you in terms of what to expect? How many years do you need to stay in that house in order to have enough equity to to sell it and come out ahead, right? It, it, it never was, hey, in six months or a year or whenever you just want to sell, no. you'll make boatloads of cash. No, you had but to, I think, yeah, you had to stay in at least, you know, five years. Right. It was not, it's not like instant gratification. And that's like not a magical now. number, right? Yeah. You're looking yeah. at the amount of commissions you're paying or is being paid in the purchase process yeah. and what you're going to have to pay to sell it. And 
there's all those things going into it. But my point is, okay, if someone called up and said, you just screwed up my equity by dropping my, your base price of the Stanford by $10,000, give them a perspective of, I might've impacted your equity for a couple months, but that's not anything new. And also look at the rise up and that mm-hmm. it's probably too big of a concept to talk about it as a story time piece, <laughs> except to say, if, if the value of homes drops just five, 10%, the average person is still up over 20%. Yes. I mean, the, the, the silly analogy yes. I've used with other people is if i if someone gave me $50,000 today and then tomorrow said, I need 40,000 of it back. Do I have a right to be pissed? They just gave me 50. They asked for 40 back. My, my viewpoint, maybe I'm <laughs> strange is I still have $10,000 that I didn't have before. And so the narrative of builders can't change pricing or it's going to negatively affect everyone. I, I wonder if it is a little bit different this time or needs to be different because of how much run up there has been in price. I think it's, just, it's not going to, it's not going to negatively impact the average homeowner. No, it's just, I think that fear of, you know, Kevin just went under contract at this price and then Andrew a week later just went under contract for $10,000 less. And, you know, and the like perception- really close proximity. Yeah, like if it's like, you know, one week it's this, the next week it's this, and then you're, you know, it was really hard to get that sale. And then we come in and change prices and now that upsets the apple cart. But I think it's to your point of, there might be some people that are upset about that. But in the long run, I think having- helping them understand what it all means is. Yeah. Well, th- th- but this was a common objection we had to overcome. Yeah. 2008, 2012, right? Is why would yes. I buy this house if house prices are still going down? Yeah. And exactly. the, the narrative that we all used at the time that seemed to work okay was totally understand. But if you zoom out any chart or graph you want to look at over time, house prices do what? <laughs> they go up. Yeah. Exactly. Over time, this they go up. Over time will continue to... Yeah. Um, increase in value. So the most important thing is get in the game, become a mm-hmm. homeowner if you're not one. Right. Or just understand that it, two to four years from now, you're not going to worry about that at all. I just have in my head, like back from my olden, olden times, real estate is always a good investment. Real estate is always a good investment. Like to your it's point, real. you know, yeah. Like you're saying, when you look over time, especially new home values, right? increase and and they hold their value more than than a used home. Yep. The biggest appreciation oftentimes comes in that first five to seven years. Okay. Awesome. Good stuff. We Woo. got some news, I think. But we first went from, we went from light to, to heavy. Woo. Woo. Yeah, I try to ba- I try to counterbalance <laughs> where yeah. yeah. First a quick word from our supporting partner, Open Door. Not taking contingencies, Open Door creates more opportunities by sending customers a preliminary offer within minutes. Plus, as a builder sales associate, you can provide a flexible close date to help customers avoid double moves and mortgages by closing anytime from 14 days to nine months. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. All right, on to the news. First up, we have two academies, online sales academy, only three tickets remaining. Three tickets remaining for October 13th and 14th in Dallas, Texas. This is a live in-person event in Dallas, Texas. Yes, at Gillies. 
Your new favorite super venue. Super fun. My new favorite venue. Super fun. This is going to be Jesse and myself, two days together. And then we stay with you for eight weeks after. And I just want to say, you know, we have historically said in the past when we've had these academies, hey, this is for new online sales specialists in the seat that haven't had any real training. But guys, I'm here to tell you, listening to a lot of calls lately, hearing from other people, other builders out there that need training. If this is really open to anybody who has been in the seat for any period of time that needs a refresh and a reset, which yeah. everybody really does. So and reset has a negative connotation, but it, it also just no. means if you haven't had a regular yeah. coach or interactive ability to talk to someone Absolutely. at a high level about online sales. Yeah. It's changed a lot. Changed a lot. Exactly. And so while this academy is really a lot of, you know, core fundamentals with mm-hmm. today's market advice, trends, best practices. So again, you know, we only have a couple of spots left. So make sure you go to our link. Yeah. On the website, you can find it on, yeah, show notes. You can go to the Deconvert website and there is information there about attending. And if you have questions about this, like, should I attend or you want more information, reach out to Jesse, jesse at deconvert.com and she will hop on a call with you and talk you through it. Yeah. And we also have the Market Proof Marketing Academy coming up in November in Tampa, November 9th and 10th. And um, we have not, really done much heavy promotion on this at all yet, but Mm -hmm. we already have about half of it sold out. So you're about to hear a lot more about it. So if you listen to this uh, and you, you have interest, reach out to Andrew or again, go to link in the show notes or visit our site at doyouconvert.com to learn more. Also on doyouconvert.com, there's there's an article. (laughs) Well, first of all, uh, again, you all can't see this, but I'm just looking now at the list of all of the blog posts and articles and podcasts and everything else. Jesse's been busy. Do you, do you realize I've never actually counted this? I'm going to do it live right now because this is terrible audio for the podcast. There's three articles per row. There are three. So there's nine articles or pieces to a page. Uh, nine times 92. There are 92 pages of content related to online sales wow. and digital marketing on doyouconvert.com. Which is, mm-hmm. I'm doing it on the calculator, over 820 different pieces of content related to this topic. So anytime uh, people are like, I'm not sure where to go or what to look, I just like to say there is no shortage of information. There's some stuff there. <laughs> there's sure. some stuff there. Yes. There's, there's plenty there. You could spend years of your life doing nothing but reading that content <laughs> or listening to those podcasts. But today we want to highlight one uh, by our own Jesse Suggs. Yes. Five things online sales specialists need to know right now. I love this. So Let's take much. a look at five crucial things you can implement today that can help you successfully adjust to changes. Mindset shift. Number one, personalization. Number two. Number three is prospecting. Number four is the handoff, and we continue to get feedback (laughs) from all parts of the organization, including salespeople, that the handoff needs work and needs to be tightened up again. And then the fifth one is building trust and overcoming objections. Mm -hmm. What uh, what one's your favorite of those five, Jen? Yeah, I feel like we've talked about some of this stuff already today. Be a Serena, (laughs) have a good mindset, 
But I think the most important one to really focus on right now, because it really takes in the whole scope of your program is the handoff. And, you know, what we, it makes the, a big impact on the customer experience, which if, you know, we, we all know, you know, customers are feeling a little guarded, a little tentative, right, right now about coming out. And when we finally do get that appointment, the handoff makes a huge impact. So it's time to revisit that process. It's time to get everybody excited. It's time to start doing those tag team awards and, you know, really highlighting on-site salespeople that are doing a great job in your organization and, you know, really put some focus on that. Super important. What would you, for someone listening, if you don't think your handoff process is broken, but you're like, oh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't like, what would be like a metric or something for them Mm -hmm. to go like, let me dig in or like say a marketer's like, okay, yeah, maybe that's an opportunity that like, I know they don't get along Mm -hmm. great. Like they don't love each other. Yeah. Like, let me poke around and see. How can you check yourself before you wreck yourself? Someone who, like, say a marker wants to go look at it. Yeah. So one of the first things you look at is your appointment show rate. So, you know, your goal should be at a minimum a 90% show rate. So I've set 10 appointments, nine of them should show up. So if that is not 90%, you may have a handoff issue. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing you want to look at is then, um, you know, your appointment to sale number as well. So, you know, what happens after the appointment? Online sales is, is, you know, getting them out there, setting those appropriate qualified appointments. And then if those appointments are not converting, you know, you want to look at one, was the expectation set properly on the front end? You know, did online sales do what they were supposed to do with the appointment? And then what has been the follow-up, you know, post-appointment and communication with your online sales team? If you're like, if online sales is going, I don't know if these people are showing up or not, or I don't know, I, I don't have mm-hmm. the metrics. That's a handoff issue, right? Gotcha. And that yeah. none of those things need more budget, which is exciting. You know, I, I recently looked at, I don't know if you guys know this, but I recently collectively looked at, you know, some shop data that, you know, we had done over the last, you know, couple of years, right? During pandemic. And, you know, it was, it was definitely evident people were setting so many appointments that doing a full handoff, there was a lot of corners that were cut, right? Like, I just don't have the time to do the extra confirmation. I don't have the time to do the outreach to introduce myself. And so if you do that, if you go for a while cutting corners, then you kind of forget, you get amnesia, like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do that. I forgot that was part of the process. So, you know, everybody should be confirming the day before they should be reaching out and introducing themselves when they get that appointment by phone and email and text. You know, we've got to use that variety. There's the people who haven't done it so long that they've forgotten. There's Mm -hmm. also those people who started in the seat in the last two years who from the first day, it was, exactly. we don't have time to do that. Yeah. We have other things we need you to focus on instead. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's not even a relearning. It's just a learning for the first time. Learning and, and seeing the value. They, and that's a, right. that's a thing that managers have to keep in their head. It's easy to right. get frustrated, but, you know, go back and see how long have they been with us? Oh, then I might have unrealistic right. expectations of how they will think about this when I, you know, 
they pull the concept off the shelf and they're expecting one reaction and they get something that they're like, whoa, right. where did that pushback come from? Well, that's because they've never done it that way. Mm-hmm. You know, you should expect a little bit. And here's, you know, just any, you know, leadership listening. And if, if you're re, you know, kind of rolling this out and, and going over this process again, it's really important to explain the why behind it. You know, what, what's the reason behind this? We want a seamless handoff. We want the customer to feel like excited about coming out. You know, I've even told online sales specialists, get the word appointment out of your dialogue right now. Like, let's mm. just talk about you're coming out. I'd love to host you for a community visit. Come on out for a tour, oh, a VIP that. tour. That stuff is so important and so powerful. Just we, we looked at someone whose launch process didn't work so great. And one of the things was that they were, we talked about this on the podcast before, they were using the words wait list or, or VIP list or interest list. And I was like, don't ever use Eat. the word list again for the next three yes. years. No yes. list whatsoever. It's like, a, it's like PTSD, yeah. like trigger, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, the customer hears appointment and they're immediately thinking somebody is going to try to sell me something. And I'm yep. not sure right now if I'm ready to do right. that. So online sales needs to have the the mindset of, I just want to get them excited. I want to get the customer excited. I want them to feel good about coming out and having a tour and seeing how we build here at Happy Acres. And you know what? I'll be sure to let everybody know that you're in the research phase and you're just looking, but we'd love to have you come out and, and take a look. And that's what we have to be doing and just kind of educating both sides on how to make that person feel less fearful right now. Um, so the handoff, that's yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to shift a little bit out of order here to something that is, is near and dear to Jen's heart. So we just talked so long about that, that oh, topic wow. from search engine Google has rolled out what they're calling the helpful content update. Ooh, it can take sneaky. a couple of weeks to roll out. So keep it on your Google visibility over the next week or so. But I love this and I'll let you take it from here, Andrew. It says, Mm -hmm. in short, did you write that piece of content to rank on Google or did you write it to help users? And Google's going to punish you if it thinks the majority of your content and the site as a whole is geared toward trying to reverse engineer an algorithm versus trying to help the customer. Ouch. Ooh. Yeah, that kind of fits my story time about more content. But it looks like, so it says um, there's another article linked to that one. Who wrote that? Is that Brian? Yeah, uh, Barry, Barry Schwartz. He's at searchengineland.com. He's one of the the main writers there. Shopping. So shopping is very broad, but I'd say people are shopping for homes so they can Mm -hmm. see through that. To me, I'm still impressed that Google can figure out who's trying to game the system. Like they have so much data. They have that. They have the internet and their servers. If you think about it, like they do, they have it, a copy of it on there. So I would go through, I'm, I'm just thinking about every builder who has content at the bottom of every submarket page, every mm. city page, map page, that it's just, it's there for SEO. Like it's strictly there for SEO. It'd be interesting to see if there's any technical signals that are like, if X, Y, Z percent of the content is hidden, if it's truly for a user, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, even though the usability is a little bit easier, but if you see like three lines and then you hit expand and then it's mm-hmm. six paragraphs of just like, I really love Tampa. Tampa has the Buccaneers and they also have the Tampa Bay Rays and the Lightning. It's a great sports area and the beach. Like, what does that even mean? It's a bunch of garbage. It'd be interesting if that's like an obvious signal to them. Like, well, 90% of sites that write content for SEO hide it. 
I'm not saying yeah. that's what it is. Don't go and change that listening to me, but, but it'd be I, interesting if there are things like that. So, that so what is at. interesting is you never really know with organic traffic, a hundred percent of, of what the cause or purpose is. But today mm-hmm. in Slack, Andrew, right. One of our yeah. team members was noticing a lot of builders having big increases mm-hmm. month over month in organic traffic, like 40, 50, 80%. And the ones she sent over are, they do things right. Yeah, they do. They do. They do things right. In like fact, one of them works with that agency that, I mean, we're not, we're not jaded. I think they pay them like five times more than they pay us to help yeah. with digital, but it, SEO is important and they're the best <laughs> SEO agency in they're the country. They're definitely the best. But you know, th- they're doing it right. But you don't know is, is it this content update rolling through and them finally getting credit for all of the good work they're doing in a different way? Is it the market itself starting to shift a little bit? Or the other thing that's happening, at least with one of the ones that she sent over that I know is they've said, Hey, don't change the strategy of what you do. How do you convert from a, from a digital standpoint? Don't go after, you know, homes for sale in Columbus, Ohio, as your main source of traffic, mm-hmm. but release all purse strings. And does that have then an impact where that organic visitor comes back because they're aware of the company through the advertising first? We'll see over the next couple of weeks, which one of those things is probably a likely culprit, but it okay. is interesting that in, in about the same time frame as this article, we're starting to see builders. That wouldn't have happened already month over month because it's, it's just now starting to roll out. But. but I'm checking other builders and they did not have that same increase. Interesting. So that, that is interesting. All right. We got We're going to keep moving just because we got, we'd spent too much time talking about all the fun stuff <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> From Zillow, shrinkflation. Hits one million dollar homes. They're they're down an average of three hundred ninety seven square feet since twenty twenty. Now, shrinkflation is the concept of you know you go to buy a can of tomatoes and the can is smaller and more expensive. Mm-hmm. I don't know that this data really points to to shrinkflation because just more homes are worth a million dollars because we had thirty five percent price appreciation. Like those homes yep. didn't actually shrink. But it's a good headline for you to use Zillow. Whoever's in PR there, good job. Um, But I think it's just the average home that's worth a million dollars has gotten smaller. It's not that builders are building smaller homes necessarily, just that they are, they're worth a lot more, which again goes back to what we were talking about before, Jen, of bet you wish you bought that million dollar. Somewhere I read something, their mom bought a piece of property in the Hamptons 50 years ago for $18,000. Oh, it's now man. worth like 9.5 oh, million. Oh my gosh. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Sounds good. But at me. the time, it's all relative. Mm-hmm. At the time, yeah. 18,000 was a lot of money, right? So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, you can look, there's a really interesting chart there that Zillow has that breaks it down by metro area. So you can find yeah, where you I live like in like Columbus, Ohio. Um, average price per square foot of a million dollar house is 288. Whereas in uh, New York, New York, the average, or Los Angeles, look at that, $608 a square foot. Mm. Incredible. So twice. Mm. I would have expected a bigger difference. I don't know why. Well, you, I mean, you times that by 2,000 square feet, it's a big difference. I mean, it's, it's double, <laughs> I'm, but. I'm it's, selling my house and getting an RV. No. <laughs> Get an RV. You can end up, I'm buy a container. Uh, next, up, next up from fortune.com. This one's fun. Uh, I didn't put it in in the show notes, but I've got to know Lance Lambert, who's the author, and I think he's in charge of real estate reporting for Fortune magazine, um, wrote this article. So, hey, Lance, if you're listening, 
Love it. The U.S. housing market downturn will be worse in 2023, forecasts Goldman Sachs. The U.S. enters its first housing downturn of the post-GFC era, and the worst still awaits. So I take back everything nice I just said about you, Lance. I'm just kidding. Again, I just, we don't have to communicate all this to the public, okay? You do not have to be negative Nelly to the public. Mm-hmm. And if you're a type of person who can't read this stuff without internalizing it and panicking, just <laughs> turn the podcast it. off don't now. Read don't read it. It's okay. There yeah. are those of us, though, who can separate. And I, I, I use the example of the first builder that I worked for was never known for the quality of the product that they built. And yet I would have gone out into the street and fist fought anyone for speaking bad about the quality of their homes. I think that's part of what a marketer needs to be able to do is separate that in your mind and say, no, while I'm here, this is the best company. Like I am the best, best basketball player that's Mm -hmm. ever played for the Chicago Bulls mentality. So again, I just want to put that out there. I'm, I'm not saying that everyone needs to look at this. In fact, in my Builder Magazine article, I said, if you're an owner of a company, this is not an article you should send down through to everyone to listen to, right? Everyone get excited for 2023 to be worse. But I think what's important here is what's being discussed and understanding high level, the concepts, and also understanding that when people talk about housing being down, and I know I've said this before, but we're going to keep talking about it because not enough people are understanding this yet. Housing is a freaking huge thing, but there is new construction. There is general real estate. There's all of the supporting companies and people who, who make money off of every time a house is bought and sold. And then there's the consumer. And from a the consumer perspective, again, back to that equity, the likelihood of a true housing recession that's nationwide, meaning at the average house price declines by 10, 20%, is incredibly unlikely to happen. There's a whole bunch of people in the existing home world who are going to be sad because less homes are bought and sold. And that means less commissions, that means less fees, that means less of all this stuff that's going to happen, less loans being created. But that doesn't, they all are not the same thing. But when you read an article like this, and it's talking about housing is going to be in a downturn, and it's going to get worse, you always should look through it the lens of what part of this are they talking about? Because even again, in this article, it says, uh, where is it at? The average price appreciation So it talks about how doom and gloom and everything. And then it says, however, they're still predicting a 1.6% increase (laughs) in house values in 2023. That sounds like So from a consumer's perspective, you're like, the consumer's fine. And as long as the consumer's fine, and we we do know that there's a shortage of homes, and I think part of the nuance is at what price point. There's not necessarily a shortage of million, two million, three million dollar homes in the country, but someone responded to something I put on social and and I saw that they worked for DR Horton. I was like, you're going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, no, right. I mean, DR Horton folks, you build an entry level product. I'm not knocking right. it. I'm just saying yeah. you're probably going to be just fine in 2023. Mm-hmm. Toll yeah. Brothers, you'll still probably be okay. Uh, you'll make a lot of money on each house, but the number of homes that you sell may be lower. So again, Lance, you did a great job re- writing the article and providing some of that nuance. But if you just glance at the headline you're not going to get the full story or understand what, what he's speaking to it. it there's well, always, I, I love that you're saying this because, you know, it, it's like when you think like ignorance is bliss and I'm not saying that you shouldn't pay attention to what's out there. However, 
one of the greatest things about being in our industry is that we get to help people achieve home ownership. And that if Mm -hmm. we focus on that and not what's out there, it's, that's really what it's all about. And so I almost like when, when I hear my online sales specialist talk about this, Oh, what about this? What about this? I go, stop it. Mm -hmm. Your job is to talk about the story, learn their stories, talk about what they're excited about, get them thinking about how they're going to live in their new home and just reduce that threat level, you know, and, and just focus on those positive things. And I think if we collectively do that, everybody's going to be okay. Like it'll be, it's a shift. It's a little different, right? Right. It's a little harder to get there. When you zoom out, it will all be okay. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the only reason I find it so interesting is because I like to try to f- connect and empathize with where the person's coming from on the other yeah. end of the screen or in face to face. And so if a general real estate agent came to you in 2023 and is talking about what are you going to do because the market is, what, what market are we talking about, agent? Because yes, the number of existing homes that are transacting might be down 25%. And you might, that might be tragic to your business or the number of transactions you've done. That doesn't impact what my builder is doing here in this marketplace no. and the fact that there aren't enough homes with nine foot ceilings and the amenities and layouts that people want right. to live in today. That's right. They're not connected, right? But you have to understand kind of where they could potentially be coming from. Well, let's end with some words of wisdom from John Acuff. Either one of you guys familiar with him? He wrote a book a long time yeah. ago called Stuff Christians Like. It was like a comedy about like inside jokes about <laughs> Christians. I don't really know what That's he funny. does now, but he 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 wrote, um, calm your fingers is what I just saw somebody say to somebody else angry on Twitter. I love that. It's a perfect description of how meaningless anger uh, online is, is when it never matures into action in your own community. Calm your fingers. So <laughs> just, just take a deep breath. Yeah. Calm your fingers, calm your voice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you are nervous or scared, that should about anything that should be a symbol of growth opportunity mm-hmm. because it, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be scared to the point of trembling about anything that we're talking about on this podcast or, or what the market's going to be doing. It's a signal that there's growth opportunity. Definitely. All right. Thanks for listening. Be sure to send in your industry related questions to show at do And we'll touch on them in a next episode. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks guys. Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Opendoor to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.